Hey, I want to start by kind of echoing what Logan said about being thankful for this community and this ministry that I don't know about you, but man, I feel so blessed to be a part of it. And so I want to start by giving honor where honor is due to our leaders of our, of our community, Jared, Logan, Coco. Can we clap and give it up for the leaders of our community for all that they do for us? I'm really excited to talk tonight. Like Logan said, my name's Ryan, and uh, I'm really honored to be able to speak and uh, just open God's word together with you. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the topic of expectations. I think expectations is something we tend to have a lot of in our life. Maybe that's expectations with our family, with our friends, with our future and our relationships, our job. We have a lot of expectations in life. Would you agree? I think there's a lot of expectations, though, that go unmet. And those are the worst expectations. Like, those are the worst expectations in the world. I can remember a time, uh, me and my good friend Jake, who was just on stage, uh, he leads worship each and every week. Uh, We're driving back from Nashville, and if you don't know uh, us either well, you know, I'm really into music and, like, uh, songwriting, and he's kind of into the creative stuff. And I'm totally kidding because he's into worship, and there's a reason why I don't sing and I speak instead. He, he does all that. But we're driving back to Nashville. We're driving back from Nashville. And I don't know if you've ever driven east of Springfield, but I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. It's like literally nothing. It's, it's green. It's hills. It's concrete. And pretty much you go from Springfield to Sykeston to Nashville, and then you're like there. And so we're driving back. We're about two hours away. We look at our maps, and it says you're two hours. And I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm starting to have those end-of-the-road trip. Uh, feelings, you know, you're ready to get out of the car, and you're ready just to be home. So I was expecting to be home in two hours, and again, I don't know if you've ever driven this road, but there's an exit where the road you're supposed to go on is the exit, and the road, or it looks like an exit, and the road that you're not supposed to be on is straight. And I'm I'm not a city planner or anything, but I'm pretty sure the road you're supposed to stay on usually should be the straight road, and the road you're not supposed to be on Shouldn't it look like, I know y'all are confused. I was confused. That's why I'm sharing this story because I didn't know what was happening. Anyways, we're, we're driving. So we, drive, we take what looked to be the road. And uh, about 30 minutes later, we look at our phone and I'm like, all right, how close are we? Like 30 minutes away yet, hour and a half. And I look and we're about a rock throw away from Arkansas. And I don't know if you passed geography in high school, but if you're in Missouri and you're going to Missouri, you shouldn't be in Arkansas. So I had no idea what was going on. I look at our map, turns out, we're about two and a half hours now away from home, and it just, it just crushed it. I mean, unmet expectations to the fullest. I don't know if you have expectations with relationships. I think that's a place we have a lot of. I remember uh, when I picked up my now wife, Jacqueline. Can we get up for Jacqueline? Come on, she's the best. I remember picking her up for the first time. And gentlemen, do not, like, do, don't do this, okay? So I pick her up for the first time. She's living with a bunch of, bunch of her friends at a house, and I, you know, what do you think should happen when a guy picks up a girl for their first date, right? They go to the ha- or they go to the door, they knock, they're like, hey, I'm so excited uh, to pick you up, you look so beautiful, like, blah, blah, blah. I don't really know because I didn't do that. Um, instead, uh, we, I pull up to the house, and I just text her, I'm like, hey, I'm outside, which like from the get-go is like already breaking the cardinal rule of a first date. So I text her like, hey, I'm outside. And then she, <laughs> she comes out, and you would think that I would open the door for her. No, I just rolled the window down, I'm like, oh, come on. Come on inside. I, un- I unlocked the door. Like, I'm serving her. You know what I mean? I unlocked the door for her. She didn't have to do the awkward, like, you know, is the door unlocked or anything? Like, that, I'm going to be honest. She told me later that really crushed her expectations of our first date, but we still got married. So, you know, it didn't, you know, I didn't blow the 3-1 loss right there. Uh, I still got game. Pulled it off. Um, but tonight, I want to talk specifically about when God doesn't meet our expectations. Has God ever let you down? Have you ever felt like God has let you down? Have you ever felt like you had unmet expectations of God? 
I think there's a lot of scenarios in our life where we feel like this. Maybe you recently got some bad news about a loved one. And you're like, God, how could that happen? Maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted. Maybe you, you don't know what God has next for you. And you're kind of like, God, I don't know if you see me, but like I'm still here. Have you forgotten about me? I, I really feel like I would know what I'm supposed to be doing in my life by now. I don't know about you, that's me a lot of times. Maybe for you, you you've been single for years and you're like, God, I, I don't know if you forgot about my relationship status. I have it on Facebook, but uh, I'm single. I'm ready for the date. I don't know when that's coming up. Maybe you have unmet, unmet expectations with your relationship status or finances. You're just tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Since we know that God is all powerful and that he controls everything, when, when things in our life don't go the way we want, I think we often tend to turn it back on God and say, God, why am I doing this? Why am I experiencing this? And the idea that I wanna tell you guys tonight is that if we have the wrong expectations of God, we're gonna have unmet expectations of God. And tonight we're gonna look at a moment in the Bible where two sisters by the name of Mary and Martha uh, send Jesus a message about, a fr about their brother who's a friend of Jesus named Lazarus. And they had wrong expectations of a life with Jesus. And when you look at this story, what you'll notice is that we tend to have a lot of the same wrong expectations. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 11. We're gonna be in John chapter 11. And for those of you who are new to church or maybe just you don't study your Bible often, John is one of what we call the four gospels. And the word gospel just means good news. And these four gospels are really just uh, accounts or diaries, you could say, of the life and ministry of Jesus while he was here on earth. And each four gospel is designed and written to convey a different aspect of who Jesus is. And in John's account, his intention and his purpose with the book was to show that Jesus is the savior of the world. So we jump into chapter 11, and up until this point, uh, John has been writing of the many miracles that Jesus has done while he was here on earth. And in this chapter, like I said, we read of two sisters who have sent Jesus a message of one of his close friends, Lazarus, and saying, hey, Lazarus is sick, he's going to die, and we need you to come help. And so we pick up in verse four, it's gonna be on the screen, but if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it as well. We're gonna start in verse four, it says this. When Jesus heard about it, talking about Lazarus' sickness, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And if we drop down to verse 14, Jesus tells the disciples this before they leave. It says, this is Jesus talking, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So before we continue, let's recap kind of what we've read. So Mary and Martha have sent Jesus a message about Lazarus' sickness. And Jesus has told the disciples that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And once Jesus heard of the news, you would imagine that he would leave immediately, but instead he decides to stay put and then go once Lazarus has passed away. We pick back up in verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, and I think this is us so often, Lord, if you had only been here. Lord, if you had only showed up. I don't know about you, but I can see myself in this text. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother 
would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. In this passage of Scripture, we have a lot of unmet expectations. Mary and Martha expected Jesus to help them in a way that made sense to them, in a way that they could control, and in a way that would be comfortable for them. However, that's just simply not the way that Jesus handled the situation, and it's not the way that a life with Jesus will look. And these are the three expectations of a life with Jesus that if we can remove from our life, our life with Jesus will be so much better. Because what did we say earlier? That if you have the wrong expectations, you have a lot of unmet expectations. And if you have unmet expectations, you feel like God has let you down. And so tonight we're gonna identify what are the right expectations and what are the wrong expectations. And the first expectation that we need to remove is clarity. This is the idea that everything God does will make sense to us. When we read back on the story and the scriptures, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to why Jesus handled the situation like he did. I mean, I don't know about you, but if, if I got word that one of my loved ones was passing away, that he was sick, and I was the only one that could help, I would leave immediately and go. Wouldn't you? But when Jesus heard of Lazarus' sickness, it seemed as if he really didn't do anything. The text tells us that he stayed put, that he stayed for several days and even waited for Lazarus to die before he went there. Why would Jesus handle the situation like this? Well, the, the text actually tells us very clearly as to why he did. When Jesus told the disciples that Lazarus was dead, he says this, that in John eleven fifteen, now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. I'm gonna read that one more time. Now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. I don't know if I was looking around. I don't think I saw anybody before uh, we started. Uh, when you sat down, I didn't see anybody like kind of checking the chair that they sat in. I, I didn't see, you know, if they were putting pressure on the chair to make sure that they would be held up by the chair. Why, why is that? Why, why is nobody concerned about sitting in a chair? Because every single time they've sat down on that chair, unless they, you know, your friend pulled the old like, you know, chair pull out behind you and that's just like humiliating. Every single time you've sat in a chair, the chair has held you up. The chair has come through for you. And the reality is that in a life with Jesus, God will put you in seasons of where faith is required so that your faith can be built. And that's not easy. It's not, it's not comfortable. Because God has to do things in your life to create opportunities for you to trust him. And trust is not built when it's easy to have. Trust is not built when you know what's going to happen. Trust is built when you have a record of someone coming through for you. And so Mary and Martha, they didn't have clarity as to why Jesus was doing what they were doing. But there's something about the hard seasons of life that make us pray just a little bit more and that make us become more aware of how much we need God. Because when we're, when we're chilling, when we're comfortable, when there's really not as many hard seasons going on in life, it's easy to go about our day and not even think about God. But when we're having seasons of life where trust and faith is required, 
it seems as if we lean in just a little bit more. But that only happens for some reason when it's difficult and never when it's easy. When we're comfortable, we don't grow. And we may not know why God is doing what he's doing. We may not always know that. But what we can know is that God always knows what he is doing. God is never late. He's never early. He's always right on time, and he's not forgotten about you. And so when we understand that, when we believe that, it's okay and it's easier for us to, to believe and trust God for the seasons of life that we don't understand. When we know that God is working everything out for our good and his glory, it's easier to go through seasons of life like that. The second expectation that we need to remove is control. And this is the idea that everything God is doing is going to work the way that we want him to. It's the idea that God works in the way that we want him to. And I'll be, true, I'll be truthful, this is the hardest expectation for me to give up. Because we can do a little bit of a show of hands. Anybody say they're like a little bit of a control freak, like they want everything to be in order. Oh, y'all holding your hands up like here. Like, y'all need to have your hands up here. That's where my hands would be. I'm a little bit of a control freak. Like, I like to have control. However, control is not something that we can expect to have in a life with Jesus. We can't have control. When Martha saw Jesus, the first thing she said to him was, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She thought that she knew what was best, and she wanted God to work in the way that she wanted him to. She wanted him to be there right away, and she says, if only you had been here. Martha wanted Jesus to show up on her time and work the way that she wanted him to. And I don't know about you, but this sounds a little familiar for me. Like, I want God to work on my time. I want him to let me know what I need to do next on my time. But for some reason, there's just this little bit of life with Jesus where we just don't have control. We always want God to work the way we want him to, and this is oftentimes because we think we know what's best for us. Have you ever told God, God, why haven't you? Have you ever told God, God, why did you? Have you ever told God, God, will you? It's because we wanna have control and we think we know what's best for us. And a realization that we need to come to tonight is that we should rejoice in the fact that we don't have control. Like that should be a praise for us. Because I don't know about you, but I can't even do my own taxes. Like Logan was talking about, uh, I don't know what, I think he said TurboTax. I use tax slayers, so holla at your boy. But like I can't even do my own taxes, like let alone decide what's best for me. Are you kidding me? Like why would I think that I know What's best for me? I need the God who has been God for quite a long time telling me what I need to do next. I need the God who is all powerful, who is all knowing, deciding what is best for me. The God who holds time in his hand is allowing you to follow the steps that he wants you to take. That should be a praise, that should be a rejoice. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says about control. He says, what you seek to control the most often reveals where you trust God the least, where you want to control the most, what you want to control the most, reveals where you trust God the least. So what is it tonight that you want to control? Is it your future? I'll be honest, that's where I'm at right now. I want to control what's next for me. I wish God would let me know. For me, it may be your future. It may be your money, your finances. It might be your relationships. It might be your relationship status your friendships, and what we want to control reveals where we trust God the least. And in a life with Jesus, we can't have control.
control. We have to surrender that to God. And that's not something that we should do begrudgingly or however that word is pronounced. It's something that we should do with a, with a, a, a sight of praise, something that we can be thankful for. The third expectation that we need to remove is comfort. And this is the idea that God is going to work in a way that there will never be pain. And this is one of the hardest realities to accept in a life with Jesus. Sometimes we assume that a life with Jesus will just be without pain, be rainbows and butterflies and sunshine and Instagram stories of us reading our Bible, but it's not. And that's hard. Like, to be truthful, I wish it wasn't that way. And the reality is that it's not always just our sin that causes the pain or the hard times. Sometimes that in a relationship with Jesus, God will put us through temporary hard times and painful seasons to allow us to grow in the way we trust him. When Mary came to Jesus, the scriptures say this in verse 32. It says that when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. I don't really plan on talking about this tonight, but I want you to know that, that God cares so deeply about your situation that he feels emotions towards you that God weeps about the situations that you're in, that he's right there with you. Mary was experiencing the loss of her brother. She was in deep pain. Her brother had just died, and what's hard to come to terms with is the fact that Jesus let it happen. Jesus let it happen. He allowed for Lazarus to die, knowing what it would do to Mary and Martha. That's tough. Like, the fact that God lets hard things happen in our life. Why would God do something like this? Why would a good, a good God allow for us to go through hard and painful seasons in our life? And the answer is so complex, and honestly, it's an answer that I don't know that we'll completely know on this side of heaven. But the answer somewhat can be summed up in this. It's that the mountaintops are where we worship God, and the valleys are where we get to know God, where we learn to trust him, and where we learn to build that relationship with him. We have to surrender clarity, we have to surrender control, and we have to surrender comfort. And now that we know what we shouldn't expect in a life with Jesus, what should we expect? And the, the answer to this question is, uh, there, I mean, there's a limitless amount. In fact, it took 66 books of a Bible to, to write out what all we should expect in a life with God, but tonight we'll conclude on this thought tonight, is that God will always come through for you. He's always gonna come through. No matter the circumstance, no matter the season, God will always come through. In verse 38, when Jesus arrived at the tomb of Lazarus, it says this, he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, then looked, then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, 
Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. When all hope had been lost, when it seemed as if the circumstance was impossible to change, God came through. God came through for them. And even though Mary and Martha felt as if there was nothing that Jesus could do about Lazarus, Jesus reminded them of who God is and what he's capable of doing. And in this situation and in this passage, what we see Mary and Martha do is, is let their situation define who their God is. What do they say? They say, if only you had been here. They talk in the past tense as if there was nothing that God could do about the circumstance now. Have you ever felt that way? You're like, man, God, if you're only there during my childhood, would have avoided some things. Or God, if only you show up right now, like I would know what to do next, but you're not really showing up, so I don't really know what to do. And people let their situation define their God. And how many of you know we need to let our God define our situation? We need to let our God define our situation. I love what Pastor Chad Veach says about this. He says, don't tell your problem, or don't tell your God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. And when we do that, we are reminded of the power and capability of our God, which is the fact that he will always come through for us right on time. And this is a cheesy, a cheesy church kind of Christian statement, but oh my goodness, it's so true that with God, nothing is impossible. You're never too far gone. The problem's never too bad for God to do something incredible with your life. So let me ask you this, what are you going through in life right now that you feel like God can't help? Maybe it's a, a relationship that you're in, maybe it's a friendship that you guys have had a, a falling apart. Maybe it's your future. Now, what do you have next for me? Maybe it's, God, I thought this is what I wanted to do with my life. And now I'm here and I'm realizing this isn't at all what I want. Is God not capable of doing something in that situation? Because I'll tell you right now, he is. Maybe it's just your life in general. You're like, God, where am I at? What am I doing? God wants to come through for you. See, we can't just trust God on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night. We have to trust God 24-7, 365. We have to learn to watch for how God is going to come through. I really enjoy superhero movies. Marvel, DC is not my vibe um, at all, but I love Marvel movies, Infinity War, Endgame, all that stuff. The new movies, like we're not gonna talk about that, we're at church. Um, but I love superhero movies. And what's interesting is they make millions of dollars, not billions of dollars, and the story's the same every time. Like the good guys always win. So why do you pay for a ticket to go watch the movie? Because it's not, I'm gonna see if they win, it's I'm gonna see how they win. And God has you in a season of your life right now where you don't need to be thinking, is God going to come through? You need to be asking, how is God gonna come through? Because that's the things that build our faith. We need to adopt this mentality in our life with Jesus that it's not, is he going to win? It's how he's going to win. Because he is, he's going to come through. 
And as we do that, we have to learn that sometimes the way God is gonna come through for us is by bringing us through something, by bringing us through. Maybe the breakup you are going through is God coming through. Maybe the financial tension you're going through is God providing an opportunity for you to understand you need to understand who the real provider is. Maybe the confusion in your life is actually God providing clarity. Maybe it's, it's God saying, I don't need you trying to figure it out. I need you to clearly understand who I am and that I am the, the Lord of your life and the, the controller of this world. God often comes through for us by bringing us through. So maybe the situation you're in tonight is God bringing you through and he's coming through. Maybe you're in a season where later down in your life, you'll look back at it and you're like, I know how God was coming through in that. And here's the thing about faith. Philip Yancey says this, that faith is believing in advance for what will only make sense in reverse. You believe when you don't know. You believe when you don't have control. And you believe even if you're not comfortable. God often comes through by bringing us through. And one of the ways that God has come through us, God has come through for us, happened a thousand, a couple thousand years ago when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And maybe you're new to church, maybe you've been around church your whole life. You know, in the Midwest, Jesus isn't this foreign concept. We, we know who Jesus is growing up. And you've heard about the cross and maybe you ask yourself like, what's the whole deal with the cross? Like, why would God send his son to die on a cross? See, when God created humanity, he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve sinned. And what sin is, is an archery term. It's, it's missing the mark. And they, they missed the mark for what, they, for what God had intended for their life. And sin separated us from a perfect God. We weren't able to have life with him. We weren't able to commune with God. But God loved you and me so much that he wasn't okay with leaving it that way. The price for our sin is death. Scriptures say that. That death is required for our sin. And he loved us so much that he didn't want us going through that. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you and for me to pay that penalty. And as a result, all we have to do is turn and trust in him. All we have to do is begin a relationship with God. And that's not by our own works. It's not by our own, you know, going to church enough or reading the Bible enough or, or trying to pray enough. It's never by doing enough. It's by believing in the one who did everything. It's by believing in Jesus. And at this time, I'm gonna ask that everyone will close their eyes, lower their heads, and there's nothing spiritual about doing this. It's just the way you can focus on the decision that maybe you need to make tonight.